So last Sunday, we heard from the book of Exodus in the first reading about this uh, worshiping community on the mountainside overlooking the battle with the Amalekites. Moses, Aaron, and Hur, the three of them together formed this group that lifted up Moses' hands in prayer. And the point being, as they worshiped God the Most High as a group and community, they were able to hold back the forces of evil and even overcome them in the world. And that becomes a way that we are to work even to this day to overcome what is hard and dark in ourselves and outside of us by worshiping, especially as a community. So that sets up nicely this Sunday because it's kind of a part two Same idea, we're again on prayer this weekend, that's the theme, and some other things which we'll get to later. And in terms of prayer, the question is, what is the right disposition of the heart? What's the attitude? How should one come before God with an appropriate understanding and mindset so that one's prayer, either as persons or as a group, like this morning, will be heard? What turns God's ear and makes him listen attentively? That's the real question. Sirach takes it up in our first reading, and the Gospel takes it up too. And you might say that Sirach gives us the, um, the abstract way to think about it a little bit. And the Gospel, this uh, portrait of examples. So they're really a, a neat little pairing this morning. And the stories tell us about how we ought to be as prayerful people. What's the way to approach this? What does Sirach say? It's so beautiful. There's a piece uh, in the reading that we heard already a bit ago. The students read them very well, so thank you for that. That uh, prayer pierces the heavens and makes it all the way to its destination. Right? It's going it's to like send itself up to God, and it's going to get there and won't stop until it gets to where it's supposed to go. So it, it personifies prayer. It's really a neat image, right? So Sirach is considered the question, well, what is it that makes the prayer go all the way up, you might say? What turns God's ear toward it? And Sirach is going to put it kind of like this to summarize it, that for the people in the world who find themselves powerless, marginalized, vulnerable, lowly, with things out of their control. So this is the widows, the orphan, the alien, the stranger, the abandoned, anybody who is down and out. Those people are going to get special attention on God's part because he's concerned to help those who cannot help themselves because they know that they have nothing. So those in the world who are stuck and cannot move on their own and they're aware of their own plight, they're the ones who God is going to have an especially attentive ear toward because they're the ones who cannot help themselves. Conversely, if there are people in the world who are puffed up in their own might, who are convinced of their own power, and are convinced that it all comes from within themselves, that they are the source of their greatness, for those people, God will be frankly less interested because one could say to them, well, what do you need a God for? You got yourself. This is the problem. So here is the situation, right? So Sirach lays it out. You want your prayer to go all the way up, Approach God with a humble, lowly disposition which realizes one's place, which is the small one. Approach him from a place of powerlessness and understanding of who is God and who is not. And in that mode and that mindset, a person and a community will pray well, effectively, and fruitfully. This is how Sirach lays it out. Then comes the Gospel with this lovely little portrait from the Lord Jesus. He's such a beautiful, brilliant storyteller, the Master, right? Makes sense, he's God. And what he lays out in this parable, a couple of ways that you can do this well or not so well. We meet in this story, well, last week it was about the persistent widow, persistence in prayer. This week on its heels, we meet the tax collector and we meet the Pharisee. And they're to give us examples about what Sirach is talking about to round out the picture. 
What about these two characters? They're worth considering for a second, a little bit more fully. The uh, Pharisee, we meet him. He goes to the temple to pray, a place of encounter with God. But as it is told, he goes about it probably in the wrong way. Bear in mind, who is a Pharisee? A Pharisee in first century Palestine would have been a member of the group who helped run the city of Jerusalem. They were religious leaders of their day. They didn't necessarily run the temple, but they were quite influential in it. And they're the ones who set the tone for fasting and prayer and purity laws and dietary laws. And even though they're kind of picked on in the Gospels, the fact is many people in the population, especially in Jerusalem, held the Pharisees in high regard. They were the professional prayers. They're the ones who had the in, you might say. So surely, if anybody's prayer is going to go all the way up and pierce the heavens, it's going to be the professional clergy, right? Like some sense, I suppose. So that's who we meet in the story. The righteous professional prayers who are supposed to know what they're doing. They're in with God. How about that? How does a Pharisee do this? He steps up, stands kind of tall, and as the gospel puts it so perfectly, speaks the prayer to himself. And he lists off all the ways that he's amazing. I'm amazing, I'm amazing, I'm amazing, I'm amazing, and I'm so glad I'm not like the rest of these awful people. Oh my goodness, look at these people. They're so awful. Don't you just not like this guy? It just makes you, you know. So I, I could be like them, Lord. I'm not like this tax collector. I'm so amazing. It's like a Facebook page, you know? It's just kind of what it is, right? And how does it end up? The Lord says at the end of the story, he's not hurt because he's not praying at all. He's talking to himself and he's explaining why he's a, a powerful, wonderful person and God has no time for that. Well, what do you need me for, right? He's contrasted with the tax collector. What's a tax collector? So back then, don't think IRS, think in first century Palestine, a tax collector is a person who worked for the Roman government and they're gonna be along the toll roads and the royal roads and they're collecting tariffs and customs uh, duties about the goods that are passing in front of them. That's, that's kind of what they do. So not only do they work for the enemy, the Roman occupiers, but generally the tax collectors, the customs officials, they collected a bunch for themselves because it's how they skimmed off and made some extra money. They were corrupt a lot of the time. So in this story, the Pharisee supposed to be the good one. What a surprise he turns out not to be. And everyone knew the tax collectors must have been bad people, right? Because that's the enemy in the story. How does it go for the tax collector, the, the customs officer? He comes to God, not with a proud disposition, not puffed up, with eyes down, with head down, with a humble, lowly disposition, and he simply says to God, have mercy on me, I deserve nothing. I'm a sinner. This is a man who knows his place, who gets that he has not maybe done so well, and who realizes that there is a God in the Most High and he's not it. And that all that he has comes from God. So this one, even though he's apparently the one who shouldn't get it, does get it. And as the Gospel says at the end, his prayer is heard. Why? It pierces the heavens because his heart is in the right place. He prays knowing who God is and with the right, lowly, humble disposition of a person in the powerless state of the world that needs God's help. That's the point. So Sirach lays it out in the abstract pretty well, and the gospel gives us these portraits beautifully. Do not pray like the tax collector, because he's not even praying at all, frankly. There's even the Pharisee. No, pray like the tax collector, the one who understands his position in the world. This is how it goes. With all that in mind, 
This sets the stage nicely for us for how we think about ourselves as a parish community. So last week when we talked about this, right, a worshiping parish, we are this morning, a worshiping assembly before God's altar like Moses did in that reading from before. The question becomes, you know, how are we going to be as prayerful people before God? What's our attitude? What's our disposition? Puffed up Pharisee or lowly tax collector? This is an interesting little setup for the uh, program of the weekend of our annual Fall Stewardship Appeal, the Lift Up Your Hearts campaign, which I set up last weekend by talking about these things. So hopefully in the week, at some point, last few days you got in the mail, I got my hand here, this little brochure, Lift Up Your Hearts, hopefully you received that. There's a pledge card in it too. And I would say that in the context of this weekend's readings that we're supposed to use this brochure to commit ourselves to our donations and offertory, which we will do in a moment, we can read this brochure a right way and a wrong way, a correct way and an incorrect way, right? And the Pharisee and tax collector thing are the perfect sort of backdrop for what I'm trying to say. It's beautiful. So to the brochure for a second, again, knowing that we can read this the right way or the wrong way, right? If one has this in the mail, one got it, one hopefully flipped past my picture because that's not important, and one landed on the panel of data and stats on the inside about the snapshot of our parish in the last approximately year or so since we last did this. Every October we go through this exercise to renew our support for the parish's mission and operations. That's what this is. Springtime was love one another, <clears throat> different campaign, that's for special projects, this one is for the lights on, the salaries paid, the ministries done. This is what this weekend is about, right? So I'll read for a second some things off this panel, knowing, like I said, right way, wrong way to get this in light of our gospel stock figures. We are here about, it says here, 1,600 registered families, so call it about 5,000 people and change. That's a decent-sized parish these days. In the last year, since we last did this, 35 baptisms, 38 first communions, 30 funerals, 30 confirmations, so that's our sacramental run. That's a lot of grace, I guess, right? So there's that. We have, it says here, 50 plus kids in the early learning center, so that's a lot of diapers changed in the last year. We have more than 200 students in our school down the hill. That's a large school for a Catholic parish in our day and age. Not the biggest, but definitely pretty big. And frankly, it takes an awful lot of resources to run a building like that. So it's a very impressive accomplishment considering we get almost no government money to run that school. No one says that anymore except pretty much us. Okay, so we're doing a lot here on that front. On it goes. Uh, 26 Friends Roughly Journey Program, five RCA candidates last year, about 250 kids in CCD. Uh, this one is myself. 600 masses celebrated last year. Gold star for me. Uh, half a gold star for Father Kevin. He's only here half the time, so you, you tell him I said that. Uh, on this goes, so 350 homebound visits. Um, another one for me, 220 hours of confessions. Her, that's a lot of confessions. But that's, that's, that's amazing. That's wonderful, right? Um, 41 anointings, that's me too. I get this one, I love this one. 4,000 votive candles lit back there. 4,000 candles in the last year. That's a lot of prayers, up to God all the time, right? We've got two seminarians from here, possibly more on the way, two women in the convent, and those are not our interns, that's another batch of them. We have the chapel that we are building with about 100 grand in donations, we're going to top all this stuff. Every week back there in the chapel, 133 hours of adoration. 133 hours at a minimum, there's actually more than that, that's who signed up. 
Last spring, for the Love One of the Campaign, $2.4 million in pledges and commitments. We went way over the goal. Tremendous. New playground down there, about 20 grand for that and change. And then on to the service thing, right? So the food pantry, 15,000 pounds of food last year from here to the food pantry. 50,000 for Haiti and change, a whole bunch of money to the baby bottle campaign, um, community Thanksgiving dinner, families in the Ukraine, about 3,000 bucks and change, 35,000 in grants and scholarships to our school families. So on and on and on it goes. This is an awful lot. This is profoundly impressive. And you just imagine the money and the time that prayer takes to do all this. That's what this weekend's appeal is about, to fund all of this stuff. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Back to the gospel. It's easy to get the wrong idea about this, because you know what it sounds like as I'm reading this? It sounds like the Pharisee, doesn't it? If we come before God, say, Oh God, I'm so glad that we're amazing. Gold star for me. Kind of Father Kevin, gold star, everybody here. Okay, look, look at all that we have done. We can sit here and go before the Lord with his card in our hands. Look at all that we have done here. Aren't we something? I'm so glad I'm not like the rest of humanity. Okay, that is not the right way to read this card. The point of the card is to read it like the tax collector does, with a sense of humility and realization that all this stuff comes from God. And we're just the, the, the borrowers for a little while. That's the point. Any good thing in a person, any good thing in a parish, only happens because we cooperate with God's plan and with his resources that he gives to us out of his own kindness. So all the money that we have in this parish, yes, we work, but the fact is it comes from on high. Any intellect that we use to apply for our ministries, our teachings, our programs, God gave us those things. We did not. All the time, all the resources, all the energy, all that happens, it comes from the heavens. And I think all this happens in here because we realize that it goes back to the heavens. That's the point. It all belongs to God. So, the wrong way to read this is to think that we're amazing all by ourselves, because we're not. We're nothing. The right way is to say we're amazing if we rely on God and have our priorities in order. It's His parish. These are his ministries, it's his mission, and his work, and we are the helpers. And when one knows that and realizes how important all this is, one gives back like we do here in such profoundly amazing amounts. That's the point. The tax collector here this morning would say, Oh God, I am nothing without you, and so I give accordingly. And we do in great and amazing ways. So I thank you for it in advance. With that in mind, right, I think setting up the tone for this appropriately, now we know how to read this correctly. At this time, at the end of the pews are these little card things, so every year we go through this exercise. So you got one of these in the mail with the packet, maybe you filled it out this week, and that's cool, and brought it along, that's fine, or maybe it's in the mail already, that's fine too, but if you didn't, we want folks here this morning to take one card at the end of the pews, and one for family to pass them down. And this is a chance and we fill this out as a way to say to God, like these people in the gospel, this all belongs to you. So knowing that, with the card in hand, you're going to see on the top, there's, there's an amount. I'm going to give this in the coming year, and it might be monthly, quarterly, annually. That's obvious. Below that is your information on how to get a hold of you. Even if you think that, you, that we have it, 
Please fill it again anew because people move and it helps us fix our records. And then write is how you're going to give it. Uh, electronically, with OSV, online, with a check, whatever. You just tell us what you want and we will accommodate. I'll give you a second to fill out the front of it.